This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, we're going to get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere else you get your podcast. We're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. Remember, underneath the video links on YouTube and underneath the show notes, remember we are now partnering with the Confidence Act uh, with Bree Neighbors and the great things that she's doing uh, for our young ladies. So there, there's active wear, there's shoes, there's dresses, there's there's great things on there. So you can check out that store if you just go to the Confidence Act and the link will be uh, underneath my videos and underneath the audio anywhere you can get your podcast. So we're thankful to be partnering with her and what she's doing. And I'm sure you'll appreciate and you'll like those things for gifts for yourself, um, but also for uh, for other people too. So again, make sure you check that out. Um, okay, so here's where we are with our podcast for today. So today is actually going to be a part two of last week. So last week we looked at Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we kind of discussed the topic, I'm not sure or I don't think my prayers are being answered. And we kind of walked through Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we basically stopped around verse 18. And there was so much stuff that we looked on in that. And based off the conversations and the the DMs and the texts and the conversations that we've had in person, um, that was really helpful. And so I wanted to kind of continue that idea because I think as we keep walking through this text, there's going to be a natural progression to the stuff that we see. And I think as we conversate and as we talk about this, and again, as we try to feel these emotions as Hannah feeling as Hannah's feeling them right now, um, I think we'll be able to understand where she's coming from, and I think it'll be able to help you and encourage you throughout your walk this week. So let's intro it this way. Um, have you ever said a prayer before and something something went completely left, right? Something went wrong, things are continuing to go wrong, or things have gone wrong for a long period of time for you, and there seems to be no evidence of change. There seems to be no evidence of quote unquote stars aligning or the climax of your story, whatever you want to say, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily coming, right? And so as you pray to the Lord about those things that you're seeing and the things that you've seen for a while, how does your prayer, how does your prayer come out? Does it come out in a level of frustration? Does it come out almost kind of unclear to where you're the only one that gets what you're trying to say. But if you would try to explain it to another person, they they would understand you're upset, but they don't know exactly what you're talking about because they don't know and they don't feel and they don't understand maybe how long you've had to bear something, how long you've had to shoulder something, how long you've had to deal with something, right? So they don't know, but they just know you're upset. And so you're kind of frustrated because no one else would really understand what you're going through. And as you're praying to the Lord, only you get what you're trying to say as jumbled up and as incoherent as you might sound in your prayer. Does that make sense? Maybe your prayer is uh, almost to a level of anger, 
and, and wrath with God to where you're asking so many different questions of why so many things are happening and haven't happening and why are you seeing this and why hasn't this changed and you've prayed for this for so long but this is not changing and you're praying for people but people aren't changing and all these things that you're trying to figure out but everything seems like a giant ball of confusion and you're trying to ask God to lead you and to help you see some stuff but things aren't becoming clear if anything things are actually becoming more foggy so it's like, man, what am I really seeing? What what am I supposed to see? So if we look at 1 Samuel 1 from our first podcast that we looked at uh, last week on this, on part one, when you look at Hannah's prayer and, and we walk through it like we walk through it, we saw the background. We saw how Penaniah was making fun of her. We saw how uh, Elkanah was saying, well, I'm better than you than 10 sons. There was no consideration. And we saw the the frustration from Hannah. We saw the bitterness of her soul. We saw her pour out her soul to God. We saw her pour her complaint and just lay out everything. And we saw that frustration. But in that same situation that we're talking about right now in our conversation, in that same situation, has a situation for you ever been solved? And I mean, when I mean solved, I mean like there's no questions that gets literally solved. And when that situation solved, have you ever compared your first prayer to the prayer that you say now to God to where now instead of having a prayer of frustration, now you're able to almost pray in in contentment and rejoicing instead of being so unclear and so jumbled up and only you can understand what's going on. Now your prayer is almost focused. It's almost uh, in line with what you're feeling and you're able to coherently put sentences together to where you're able to thank God for things. And instead of being foggy like the first prayer, now the second prayer, your perspective on things has changed because time has has, uh, elapsed between those two prayers. And now you're able to see things better. And maybe the Lord has allowed you to see things the way that he saw it from the jump. What's happening right now in our part two is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah can now see clearly why everything happened in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I hope that as we go through this, I hope that this can encourage you that you'll be able to see some things a little bit differently because maybe right now you're in phase one. Maybe that's how your prayers are. Your prayers are just like 1 Samuel 1. But hopefully as we grow and as we mature, and as we live life, and as we go through things, but help people that has gone through similar situations, that we'll start to see things in our our perspective on God, and our perspective on that situation that we were so frustrated about. Hopefully, it can shift our minds to something different, right? So we're going to call part two kind of the same thing, right? Lord, I don't think my prayers are being answered, but we're going to look at it from this perspective. There is safety in sincerity, okay? There's safety in sincerity, all right? So I'm excited about this. There's a lot of great gold nuggets here in 1 Samuel 2. So let's kind of jump in and dive into our text. So if you're walking, if you're just listening, or if you got your Bible out, let's get ready to study, and and let's kind of conversate on on our text today. So 1 Samuel 2, what's interesting, just so we can paint a picture, right, before we dive in, we got to understand what's going on. Now, what Hannah's going to do here, 
kind of, if you look at your heading in your Bible, mine says Hannah's prayer and Hannah's song, which by the way, just as a quick side mission, we can learn so much from the prayers of women. I mean, just Hannah's prayer, Elizabeth's prayer, Mary's prayer. I mean, the, the prayers of these women are so powerful and the emotional connection that they have with themselves and that they have with God is something that all of us can learn from. So we may do that down the line, looking at the prayers of women. It's a it's an amazing thing. But when we look at this from the context of 1 Samuel 2, we're trying to paint this picture. So Samuel's born in 1 Samuel after Eli says you're going to have a son. Now, the context of chapter 2, Hannah is not praying and she's not praising God with Eli or with with Samuel still in her in her womb. Now remember, this is not like the book of Luke where Elizabeth is praising God because John is in her womb or Mary's praising God and singing songs because now the Christ Jesus is in her womb. This is not what's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Here's the image that I want you guys to see and that the scriptures are getting ready to see. Now, what does she pray for in chapter 1? She prayed for a son. That son is born, and then what was her promise? I will lend this child to the Lord. Now, here's the image. Now, remember in chapter 1 how uh, Hannah is before Eli, and Eli is listening to her prayer. And what did Eli say? What Are you drunk? What are you doing? But she said, no, Lord, I'm just pouring out my heart to the Lord. Now, this is the same image, but now Hannah is there with her child. She's there with Samuel in front of Eli, and she's getting ready to dedicate the same son that she cried about, that she's been pouring out her soul about, that she's been desiring, that she's been praying and fasting and doing all this stuff for this son. Now, the moment's here, and little little Samuel's here, and Hannah's here in front of Eli getting ready to lend that son to the Lord. That's what's happening here. So that's the picture. Okay. So now let's look at what she says. First Samuel chapter two, beginning verse one. And then Hannah prayed and she said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord is. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him are the actions weighted. Okay, there's so many nuggets here. Okay, there's we got to dive in. So here's, here's what I'm seeing here. If we're going to point this out in terms of organization, if you want it. Here's the first thing that I'm seeing here. Suffering changes perspective. Now, the one thing that we don't want to do is suffer in any form. And I'm sure that there's suffering in your life that you're facing now. And I'm sure there's suffering in your life that you faced in the past, that if you were given the option to go through that suffering again, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't, you wouldn't go through that again. You wouldn't go through that again. Why? Because no one wants to feel a level of hurt. Nobody wants to feel it. But suffering, that's the thing that actually changes your perspective. 
And I believe God in his infinite wisdom, because of what Hannah said, God is the God of knowledge. There's no one like him. He is holy. He is our rock. There's no one like him. I think Hannah now is starting to understand that through my suffering, the Lord had a plan. And I think sometimes when we see our suffering, the only thing we can see is the suffering and we can't see the plan. But suffering changed her perspective. How did it change it? Look at look at just her attitude. Verse. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Three, do not talk exceedingly proud and let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. If anybody's guilty of this, sometimes I'm guilty of this in my prayers. Have things happened to where it gives you a level of frustration. It seems as if there's no solution. It seems as if nothing's ever going to be solved. It seems as if something is not going to change, right? And it seems like that thing is completely constant, and there's no way that it can change for you. A lot of times in our prayers, I think the intention is right. We want to come to God. We want to roll everything out to him, right? Psalm 37, 5. We want to pray without ceasing. We want to understand that we should cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. I think when we come to God in prayer, we come to him with the right mindset. But sometimes because of how things are happening currently or maybe even in the past, because of how things are happening, sometimes we can come to God with a level of arrogancy in our request. We could come to God with a level of having a proud heart. Lord, why would you allow this? Lord, why don't you take this away? Lord, I don't understand. You're not making sense. You wouldn't do this for others. Why why do it for me? You know, have you ever said prayers like that? Sometimes those prayers that seem innocent, they can turn into being proud. They can turn into being arrogant because now, Instead of just showing God what's happening and asking God to see what's going on, we're now demanding God to do things, and we're demanding answers of him. You know, I'm reminded of the book of Job. Remember when Job had questions just like you have questions, just like I have questions? Job had questions, and when you look at the book, it looks pretty legit of why he had questions at one moment. He was in fellowship with God. God's talking with him in his tent. He's sacrificing for his children just in case they sin. He was the greatest man in the East, chapter 1, because of what God gave him. And all of a sudden, God takes it away. What Did I do something? Did I say something? Did I not do something? So now he's asking and going down all these wormholes throughout the book in his mind, and then his friends are telling him things from their perspective, and Job is totally lost. And it comes to the point where he just wants to die. But then he's questioning the Lord. And then the Lord spends an entire chapter. Job, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did this? And then Job said, I can't can't even speak. I, I don't know what to say. 
a lot of times we can come to God, and I'm guilty of this, demanding answers, demanding that that things be changed, right? Demanding that things are happening. And I think sometimes we have to be careful with how we come to God. There's nothing wrong with having a concern. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a heavy concern that is causing you to pour out your heart to our Lord. But look at how Hannah's perspective has changed from prayer number one to song number two. Isn't that, isn't that amazing, the flip? I don't want you guys to miss the flip there. The prayer number one turns into the song. But what changes a prayer of, of pain and agony? What changes that prayer into a song of rejoicing? Something you wouldn't think changes it. Suffering. Suffering changes a prayer into a song. That's amazing, isn't it? So her suffering changed her perspective. And notice how she's changing the way that she's thinking moving forward. And how she's, now remember, who's right next to her as she's talking about all this? Her son. So her son is listening. Talk no more exceeding proud. Don't let arrogancy come out of your mouth. So just because Hannah was saying this, does it mean that she was arrogant in chapter one? I don't believe so. I think Hannah is just saying this from the perspective of saying, when you come to the Lord, don't come to him in a proud mindset. Don't come to him out of arrogancy of your mouth. Because without the Lord, Samuel, you wouldn't be here. Without the Lord, my tears wouldn't have been wiped. Without the Lord, I wouldn't have hope. Without the Lord, I wouldn't have purpose in my life anymore. So when you come to the Lord, don't have this mindset. Have verses 1 and 2. And that's such a great lesson for you and I, isn't it? Man, it's, a, it's a, what she says. Don't talk exceeding proud out of your mouth. Don't let arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him are all things weighted. So if right now, if you're listening to this podcast, I guarantee, I can guarantee this, you're going through something. And if you're not going through something, you've gone through something. And it was it was hard. It was hard. And so what's going to change your prayer right now? What's going to transform your prayer into a song? What's going to change that? Suffering. And that's one thing that I don't, I don't necessarily want to, I don't want God to lead me to, right? Psalm 23, you lead me beside the still waters, but I don't want God to lead me to more suffering. You know, you wouldn't want God to lead you to suffering, but it's needed. And it's needed because I think the Lord knows, actually, I know the Lord knows that if I want to change the prayer of Jordan or the prayer of you right now, if I want to transform his or her prayer from a prayer into a song, his or her per perspective of me has to change through the lens of suffering. So don't be afraid to suffer. And I believe that's why the text, even in the book of James, rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations because of the suffering that you're going through, okay? So there's safety and sincerity. So suffering changed perspective. Now she's able to see the full picture, all right? So here, here's here's the second part here that I'm seeing. So let's keep walking through. This is this is this is really good from these next couple. I never saw this. This is crazy. This is why studying the Bibles, it's 
it's so enjoyable and it's so fun and it's it's putting the pieces together and it you keep finding these golden nuggets through scripture. So always be humble enough to see, man, there's so much more I can learn. So verse four, the bows of the mighty man or the bows of the mighty man are broken and those that are stumble are girded with strength. Those that were full have hired out themselves for bread. Those that were hungry have ceased. The barren that have born seven, now she that has many children, she's waxed feeble. The Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes the poor and he makes the rich. He brings the low and he lifts them up. Now, this is really, really cool. Now, from the first part, in order for her prayer to change from a prayer to a song, suffering had to change that perspective. That's phase one. Phase two from changing a prayer into a song is this. Hannah was able to see that God can change situations. This is so amazing of what she's seeing right now. And I never saw this until you really look at this for what it says. So as we look at this, notice what she does. And I want to break this down. So watch how she breaks this down. Verse four, the bows of the mighty men they are broken. So mighty men that had the bows that they had, they were broken down. But those that are stumble, they're girded with strength. You notice how she flipped that in her prayer? So those that were once here, this was their situation. We were strong. We had everything. We had the bows of strength. Those that had that, they're broken. And those that fell down, now they're strong like those that had the bows before. So what is what is she doing? She's painting a picture here. Notice she keeps painting. Verse 5. Those that were full, right, talking about food, those that had full, now they hired out themselves for bread. Now they got to work for it more. But those that didn't have bread, those that were hungry, they've stopped being hungry. Notice she flipped that. Those that had seven children have ceased, and those that have many children are wax feeble. So notice those that have seven children, so the, so the barren, I'm sorry, so the barren has born seven children, and those that couldn't have children or that have children are now feeble. So not, she flips that again. So what is, what is Hannah doing here in verses 4 to 5? She's praising God. I don't want you to miss this because this is amazing. She's praising God for reversing human fortune. Many, many times, and you might have this thought literally right now as you're in the car, as you're walking, as you're just studying with me at the table right now. You may have a thought in the back of your mind, which you probably may not admit to everyone else because no one else really knows your situation like you do. You may have a thought in your mind that you've had for I don't know how long that you you love God. You, I, I believe you truly love God, that you want to serve him, that you're serving others, that you want to see people and their situations change. But you have this small voice in your head that's telling you that the Lord cannot reverse your fortune. He can't reverse it for you. So if we go back to Job, if I'm Job just personally, 
right? This is just me. If I'm Job, I'm thinking at this point, because I've apparently done nothing, I don't think the Lord can reverse this. Now, we gotta, we really have to sympathize with these characters because we can read the end of the book. But in the middle of what they're going through, they don't know what's going to happen. So if I'm Job, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think the Lord can reverse this. And maybe you're thinking that right now for your situation. I don't think things are so concrete. Things have already happened. Things seemingly are just going to stay the same. Mindsets are going to stay the same. Things aren't going to change. So therefore, I don't believe that the Lord can change this situation. I don't think he can reverse this. So you think about it from Hannah's perspective. In chapter one, I was I was a barren woman. I was a woman made fun of. I was a woman that was scorned, that was hurt, that was bitter, that was that was taken for a joke. And I couldn't have children. And I don't I didn't think the Lord could reverse my situation. But notice the the faith that she's instilling in Samuel that's standing right next to her as she's dedicating him to the temple. Samuel, the Lord can change anything. I'm an example. The Lord can change anything. And I think for you and I, as we look at this, what changes your prayer from a prayer to a song at some point in your life, when we develop the level of trust and we develop the level of faith that God requires for where you're at now, and when God changes your situation based off of your level of faith and trust and and the things that align with his will, when you see things and when you see people change that in your mind you thought would never change in a million lifetimes— you can't help, you can't help but to sing God's praises because you knew, you know that it wasn't because of you that they changed. It wasn't because of you that this situation just worked out. It was because of our Lord. God can change situations, guys. And I know some stuff, some stuff can seem so concrete. And I think that's what's so beautiful about her song is in her mind, chapter one, everything, this is concrete. This is, I don't know if this can change. And maybe you prayed that last night. Maybe you prayed that this morning. Maybe you prayed that before you hopped on this podcast. Lord, this is not going to change, man. It's just not, I just don't see it changing. What? And then have you ever said in your mind, well, if things were going to change, then this would have to happen. And that's not going to happen. If things were going to change, this would have to happen. And I know that's not going to happen. Well, if things were going to change, then this is going to happen. And I know for a fact that that's not going to happen. So you ever have those conversations with God where you you try to barter with him? But notice Hannah is instilling in herself and she's instilling in us and she's instilling in, in Samuel. The Lord can change human fortunes. Why? Because he's the one ultimately in control. I think a lot of times as Christians, unfortunately, I think what we tend to do is we love God and we serve him and we we praise him and we read about him and we pray to him, but we think God can only change situations based off of how the world sees situations. So here's what I mean by that. 
So let's say we're Hannah. The worldview at this time is if you're a woman, you're nothing. So, yeah, I love God, but, you know, the world says I'm nothing. So God can't use me because the world says I'm nothing. So then we believe God can't do anything because that's how the world says I should be. And many times we will instill that into our homes and we will instill that into other people. Well, you know, this is this is I mean, historically, American history, historically, I mean, this is how it's always been. So historically, you know, you really can't be used in that way. Says who? Like, I hate that thinking. Like, that thinking's, it's blind. And it's, it's, what he, it's what the Hebrews writer talks about, that you've forgotten, that you've been purged from your sins. You forgot who you serve. I forgot who I serve. We can't look at God through how the world thinks you should be helped. And I think we're working against ourselves. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because when we look in the mirror and when we look at our situation and when we look at whatever you want to look at, well, I can't really be helped. So my situation can't be changed because that's what the world says or that's how history says or that's how the books say or that's how these movies said it or that's how historical history said it. So if if things can't change, you see, you we talk down about how God can't reverse it. And we're looking at things from a worldview and I hate that. Because haven't you thought that before? Absolutely. Have I thought that before? Absolutely. God can use you if you follow him. It's literally that simple. And sometimes we, we instill, instead of instilling faith in people, in family members, in the church, we instill fear in them. You can't be used. Who do you think you are? You see, why do we do that? I hate that. Why do we do that? You know, I'm reminded of the book of Numbers when the 10 spies or the 12 spies, so 10 came back. No, we can't do it. We can't do it. They're like, they're, we're like grasshoppers. They're like giants. We, we can't do that at all. But only two people, Joshua and Caleb, instilled faith or tried to instill faith into other people. You know, the Lord can reverse your situation and the Lord can use you if you let him. And I don't want you to miss that little phrase, if you let him. You have to get rid of this earthly thinking that because of how you look, because of where you were born, because of your skin color, because of what people think, because of whatever you want to say, you got to get rid of that thinking if you want to use faith. You cannot use faith and you cannot couple faith with a worldview because that's not faith. That is a worldview. You cannot do that. And Hannah is instilling that in her son. The Lord can use you. He used me, a woman at this time, who if women don't bear children are useless. He's reversed my situation, Samuel. And if you serve this Lord that I'm dedicating you to, he can reverse anything for you. And he can help you if you follow him 
and if you let him use you. We always say have faith, and we always say we want the Lord to use us, but we won't let him use us in certain situations. Why do we do that? It doesn't make sense. We have to let him use us. You know why? Because we're afraid of what changes a prayer into a song. We don't want to see those that we care about suffer. But suffering is a part of making the song the beauty that it is. So instill that faith into into people, not fear, not timidness, not walking on eggshells. Instill faith. Do you know who you have on your side, son? When's the last time you you had that conversation with, with, with someone you're dating, with a family member, with yourself, with brethren? When's the last time you had that conversation? Did you know that you have God on your side? I don't know how he's going to use you. But we need friends. We need people that we're dating. We need people that are around us that's going to instill faith in us, not fear. Not fear. Samuel, things can change. And all these examples from verses 4 to 6, I'm showing you they can change. Then again, verse 7. So look at verse 6. So the Lord kills, the Lord makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. Notice how she made that comparison. She's talking about life in general. The Lord is in control over your life, Samuel. The Lord is in control over everyone's life, Samuel. He's in control. Don't let what's happening on this earth. Don't let people's narrative. Don't let the world's narrative. Don't let historical narrative bind you and chain you to think that the Lord can't use you. But I think some of us are so bound and we're so chained by what the world believes we should be that we're holding ourselves back from God using us correctly. Come on, man. We got to change it up. We got to change it up. And you may be the only one thinking that way. But if so, then Jesus said, be salt, Matthew chapter 5. Y'all can be scared, but I have the Lord. I have the Lord, and so do you. So sometimes you may have to remind some people. So now look at this. The Lord is in control over life. And then watch verse verse 7. The Lord makes the poor, and he makes the rich. He brings low, and he lifts up. So then notice she goes on on a small side mission here. The Lord is in control over wealth. The Lord's in control. Doesn't that go back to Matthew chapter 6? All these things that you ask for or are in need of, the Lord provides if you seek first him who is in control over life. Now, does this mean, now just quick caveat here, does this mean that when you seek first the kingdom that the Lord's going to make you a millionaire? Not necessarily. Does this mean that when you seek first a kingdom, then I can say, well, the Lord's going to anoint you with this amount of money? You can't say that. But what you can say is when you seek first a kingdom, that your needs, I love how the text said that, your needs will be met. And I think sometimes we take that text and in our minds, we change the word need into want. So then when God doesn't give me what I want financially, Well, God's not doing what he said in Matthew chapter 6. No, you just switch the text. God will always, God will always, God will always give you your need. He will always do that. He may not always give you your want, 
but he will always give you your need. It's beautiful, man. It's 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 beautiful. So as we close that point and in our conversation here, at this point, and maybe this is something that you can't answer right now, which I get it, but maybe this is something that you just need to put on your radar. Do we believe? Do we believe that things can change? Do we believe, like Hannah said in verses 4 through 7, do we believe that God can reverse human fortune if we follow him in humility and have the right attitude and have the right level of faith and not fear? Do we believe that God can reverse it? Or do we believe that we are stuck and it seems as if life has given you the short straw? And you just want to complain. What level of thinking do you want to have moving forward? Just something to think about. So here's here's the last thing that I'm seeing from, from chapter 2. Let's keep going. So verse 8. So verse 8 is one more flip, right? He raises the poor out of the dust, and he lifts the beggar out of the dunghill. You see that flip that she just did? And she sets them, or, and he sets them among princes and makes them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth. Now, this is talking about this is talking about government. This is talking about thrones. This is talking about power. The pillars of the earth are his too, Samuel. The Lord can turn a beggar into a prince. Come on. And he has set the world upon them. The Lord gives to those that he that he deems necessary whether it's for our good, whether it's for our persecution to make us better. It's all ordained by God. So then watch how it closes, 9 and 10. He will keep the feet of his saints, and by the wicked, or and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man will prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Here's the third thing that I'm seeing. Hannah realized from her prayer to a song, here's what she realized at the end, that not only is she safe, but her and Eli together and Samuel, her and Samuel, are safe in God's unchanging hand. You see, suffering changed her perspective. She was able to see that God changes situations. But now she's able to see that she is safe in God's unchanging hand. You know, I think about Hebrews chapter 13, guys, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's it's a beautiful thought sometimes. Sometimes I it kind of hurts <laughs> it kind of hurts my brain to think about it for too long because it's I can't wrap the magnitude of it. But when I think about that verse Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, I think about how he was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I think how he literally led Joseph to Egypt. 
I think about how he helped Moses. I think about all those situations, how he helped Job, how he helped Hannah. And sometimes we can have this thought, the God of the Bible is not the same God now in terms of like, well, he's not really making people princes anymore. Uh, He's not really doing what he did there anymore. He's the same. So the, the same things that God was able to do for all those people in Hebrews chapter 11, he's the same. But guess what he's looking for, though? He's looking for people with the same faith. That I think that's why we, we have that thought that God, well, the God of the Bible is not the same as the God of today. Well, yeah, he is. Maybe he's not doing the same things that he was doing in Scripture because some of us don't have the same faith. But if we have the same faith, Abraham, Job, Joseph, Hannah, I mean, we go on and on and on, literally on and on. If we have the same faith that they had, why would God not use us? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's beautiful the thought that she said he keeps the feet of his saints. They don't slip, which I love that she brought in feet there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Because we have the ability to slip with, with our feet. But you said the Lord keeps our feet from slipping in all those situations. And the wicked shall be silent. And so she talks about verse 10, that the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. All these things. It's just, it's a beautiful image that she's able to see that she's safe. She's safe. Ladies, don't you want that to be safe? Guess who gives you that? The Lord. You see, this is why, just a quick side note for the ladies here. And then we'll get to the fellas. But isn't this a great thing to know that This is why we just, this is why people at your local congregation, maybe this is why your parents, maybe this is why your local preacher, this is why they harp so heavy on not just the man who just prays or a man who just shows up or a man who just, he is a Christian, but someone who is legitimately active in his life, in the, in the community, in the church, in, in in the life of what God wants him to do, because God keeps you safe. And if you want God to keep you safe, a man that follows God will keep you safe too. Which that's it's a it's a that's a whole nother conversation for another day. That kind of fit our Ruth and Boaz thing there. But that's just the importance of a man that loves God, is he will have those qualities of God. Is that man perfect? No, he's not. And to expect him to be is unfair. But for for him to love God and follow him to the best of his ability, you will be safe if you allow him to be the man that God needs him to be. Then, fellas, on our side, 
we have to make sure that she's safe by following God and being who God is and and showing the image of God to others, but also showing the image of God to her because they need that. They need that, right? So here's what's interesting. I'll, just a couple thoughts here as we kind of wind down here. Here's a, here's a thought with this. Sometimes when, when situations change, and let's just say hypothetically for the worse, when situations change for the worse, sometimes we think God's view of us has changed. And so we got to be careful with that. Think about Job. Well, my situation has went totally south. So has God's view of me changed? God's view of you may not have changed because your situation has changed. Here's what God is trying to change. You prayed to him, right? You've been praying to him, right? So God's trying to change your situation from a prayer to a song. So if suffering is in there, maybe God's view of you hasn't changed. He's just trying to change your perspective. And it's an amazing thing to close this out. The God of change is actually, the dichotomy of this is amazing. The God of change is the God that's still consistent. The God of change is the God that is still consistent. So if he's the same today, yesterday, and forever, he's the same man. But he's the same man that can continuously change who you are, change others, and change your situation. Here's a last thought. Last kind of question and something for you to meditate on moving forward. Samuel here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Samuel is what Hannah literally desired for I don't know how long. But that's all she wanted was a son. But chapter 2 shows us something even more special. Her love for God was more than her love for Samuel. It was. Her love for God was more than her love for Samuel. And so because of that, now if we read verse verse uh, 11, then Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and then the child ministered before Eli the priest. So she gave the child up. She dedicated him. So here's a tough question. I know there are things that you desire that are inherently good and things that you want that are inherently good. But are those things, are those desires, are those dreams that you want that are inherently good, are they above God? Hannah did not put the dream of Samuel, even though Samuel's literally standing right there. Hannah did not put the dream of Samuel over the love of him. So now, as we look at the end of the text, he gave or she gave Samuel to Eli. So here's my question. Potentially, for you and me, those things that are inherently good, what quote-unquote Samuel do you have to dedicate to God right now? Lord, I really want this job, 
but you know what? I'm going to dedicate my life to you. I'm going to dedicate my thinking to you. Lord, I would love this spouse in my life, but you know what? I'm going to dedicate that idea to you. Lord, I need this in my life, but I'm going to dedicate that to you. What Samuel do you have to dedicate to God right now? Tough question, right? Tough question for me. But you see why there is safety and sincerity. I mean, what a text, right? From from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. It is a beautiful text. And we can learn so much from the prayers of Hannah, from the prayers of uh, Elizabeth, from the prayers of Mary. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to learn. And I'm sure at some point we're gonna have we're just gonna have to do it. We're we're gonna have to do it. We're gonna have to do a series on the prayers of women. It's ridiculous. There's so much we can look at. But just from this, I hope that this was able to get you to think about some things, maybe encourage you on some things. And maybe I hope that this was able to speak some life into you in some situations. And I hope that this was able to speak some faith into you too and not fear maybe of what you've been hearing or been hearing for a while. So I really hope that this can encourage you guys. Um, Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Um, We may have another podcast next week. I'm hoping I'll be out of town but I'm hoping it's still record. So be looking out for another podcast on Monday. Thanks guys. Love you guys.